Hello and welcome to Quilter Cheviot's Markets Uncut podcast, your weekly insight into the topics and trends that we have been exploring for you here at Quilter Cheviot. Remember, so you don't miss future episodes, please be sure to hit the follow button on whichever streaming platform you're listening on or by following hashtag QC Weekly Comment on LinkedIn. I'm your host, Chris Scott, Investment Manager based out of our Glasgow office. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by Richard Carter, our Head of Fixed Interest Research and Energy Equity Research Analyst, Jamie Maddock. Good morning to you both. Richard, last week, Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey said that he expects a significant fall in inflation, casting doubts on the need for further interest rate rises. Do you believe this to be the case? And what risks are there that the central bank may continue to increase rates? Uh, yes, we hope it's going to be the case, although obviously uh, the, the sort of Bank of England has a chequered history in terms of its inflation forecasting recently. So probably take it uh, with, with, a, with a pinch of salt. But mo- yeah, most forecasts have CPI uh, gradually coming down over the next sort of year or so, uh, not quite back to 2% target, but you know, heading in that direction. And as long as sort of energy prices, uh, which we're going to talk about later, but as long as energy prices are reasonably well behaved, um, then they, you know, they should they should get you know, inflation rate down. I mean, food prices are, are stabilizing, although you've still got um, uh, you've still got very strong wage growth uh, in you know in the UK. So that that's kind of causing some issues, particularly around core inflation. So yeah, it is going down. Hopefully, that means that uh, you know we're getting to the peak in rates, and only maybe one or two uh, more to go. That would that would be uh, ideal. I think the um, I think what I would say about you know some of the comments the Bank of England last week is that their tone has slightly changed in terms of they do sound more worried about the risk of over tightening. I think now they see some data in the uh, housing market, you know some of the lead, real leading indicators in the jobs market as well um, suggest that there is a bit of a sort of crack in in some areas of the economy because of high rates. And I think they're 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 pretty mindful that if they go too far, they could trigger quite a nasty recession. So I think that's. Uh, that's what we're seeing from Bank of England, and I think markets kind of a, a very will probably welcome that if they if they start to tone down the rhetoric a bit. Thanks, Richard. And Jamie, our listeners will have noticed a rise in fuel prices at local petrol stations. Can you give us the background as to why oil prices are increasing, and if you think these inflated prices will be here to stay? You know, the primary reason that we've seen the uh, the sharp pickup in in crude oil prices recently is just that the action Saudi Arabia have taken to cut supply from the markets. And really, when you look back at the year to date, that's pretty much the story that's unfolded. So supply has continued to drive higher from a number of different regions and the US principally, but others have been contributing too. And against that, economic data has been, well, weakening but reasonably strong in the back of um the china opening but so it's enabled to to ensure that prices go higher for delivering i guess saudi arabia's ambitions for what they wish to spend on they've had to cut barrels unilaterally from the market and that puts them in a bit of a precarious position in the sense that um they've had to completely they've the one that been carried the market higher here so then i guess the, by extension of that what is, how is that translated into higher fuel prices at the pump well you know obviously the, the cost of the barrel that goes into that has gone up and then the product that comes out of that is is or it's gone up as a result too but there's there's a bit more complexity to it 
um, beneath that. So the Saudi Arabian barrels are they're heavier. And what that means is that the products you can get from them are slightly different to the types of products you can get from other oils. So by removing these heavier barrels from the market, you actually get less of the products that we actually need um, the industrial products, so for example, diesel, and that's primarily the reason why something like that has um, has picked up more so, and also reflects a sort of a mix shift of the refining capacity that we have in the world. Um, so U.S. refiners typically have relied upon lighter crudes and have been designed in that way, and then as a result, when you have these heavier crudes re removed from the market, you get a slight mix and. Um, shift in the underlying product that's delivered i guess all that is to be put against the backdrop really of the fact that inventories for both diesel and petrol are, are low and have been falling particularly within the us and less so in europe and as a result of that refiners have been running as hard as really can with the products that they can get access to from the oils that they're being sold um, to produce that they have so as a result of that um, you know you've seen prices where they are today so you, to answer your question though on the longer term there is quite a large amount of refining capacity due to come online next year we've seen a large amount of capacity taken out this year and last year and that's primarily been in North America so you know, my view and it's reflected in the stocks that we hold as well is that we're not particularly optimistic over the long run of, of the refined product margins staying at these high prices. Another way of saying that is that I don't envisage prices remaining this high, primarily as a result of a large amount of new supply of refined uh, refinery capacity coming online next year. So yeah, you know, for the next quarter or two, you could see prices remaining relatively elevated, but I don't see seeing that being sustained throughout the majority of next year and into the long term from that, uh, from that forward. Thanks, Jamie. And as a, a follow-up question to yourself, if we roll the clocks back to this time last year, there were real concerns about the availability and price of gas, particularly around Europe, which was driven by the war in Ukraine. Today, we're no closer to resolution in the war uh, between Russia and, and Ukraine, but could you possibly give us an update on where we are with the gas situation and, and where you think prices will, will go as we enter the winter months? I mean, we've, Europe and, and the UK have made significant progress really on um, reducing the dependence upon Europe, sorry, reducing the dependence upon cheap Russian pipe gas. There is still some um, coming into Europe and there's still a reasonable amount coming in from what we call liquid natural gas. You know, we've had to pay a high price for that. Um, and what I mean by that is the price that's had to be paid to the countries that have the excess gas capacity to, be, to enable them to see the economics as being attractive enough to come to Europe. But basically, we have paid that price. And as a result of that, inventories of gas in, in Europe and the UK have risen. And we're getting, getting up to almost capacity, which is a really good position to be in ahead of winter. And that's why we've seen prices sharply lower. The issue, however, is is that the, the the inventory capacity that we have is just not designed for the type of gas market we have. So put it in context, if we have a really cold winter or if our renewables underperform relative to what they ordinarily do, that is going to make a big difference to the amount of inventories we have. 
and the prices subsequent to that. So that another way of saying that is, is if we have a cold winter, we'll rapidly draw down these very high inventories and we could see very much see sharp spikes in the power prices, well, gas prices firstly and power prices subsequent to that. I don't envisage it will be quite as bad as we had last year because, like I say, the dependence upon Russia has been hugely reduced. Um, but, you know, you never know. And weather is one of those things you just can't have any decent amount of forecasting ability on that. And then over the near term, we've seen more recently, there's been some um, threats of strikes. And I think maybe even it's going to be going ahead. And one of these large liquid natural gas facilities in Australia, whereby um, the employees are looking for better terms and conditions and are threatening to shut down, I think, what is it, roughly about 10% of the floating liquid natural gas market. So were that to shut down for even a relatively short period of time, we could see spikes. And even in last week, we saw you know a couple of days where we had 10% plus spikes in the, um, the European natural gas price, which pushes power prices up. At the margin, that just talks of the fact that we have a fairly finely balanced system at the moment for gas prices uh, as we're trying to reduce our reliance uh, upon Russia. Perhaps this time next year, we won't have the same volatility in price because we'll have reduced it to the extent even further from where we have. So we're not out of the woods yet, but I don't envisage a, a repeat of what we have here. And as I say, whilst these sort of strikes are sort of short term issues, the real big one comes down to how cold or not winter is going to be. Thanks, Jamie. And finally, Richards. This week is set to be a busy one with macroeconomic data, with the latest US CPI inflation numbers amongst the most notable. Can you give us uh, some insight as to what we should be looking out for in the data and what the impact of any worse than expected numbers could be? Yeah, that's all right, Chris. So, um, I mean, we don't have the Fed and the Bank of England meeting this week, but they do meet next week. And uh, I mean, I think of those two, the Bank of England more likely to potentially hike rates uh, than, than the Fed. But there's a couple of important data points. So this week, we've got um, uh, UK wages coming out. So they've been really, really strong. And, and, you know, much to the surprise of the Bank of England, how strong they've been. So if they're bad, uh, you know, that could uh, that could be, uh, you know, another sign that the Bank of England may be raising rates uh, next meeting. We've also got inflation numbers in the US. Um, headline might uh, Headline rate of CPI might pick up a bit because of uh, rising petrol prices, but as long as the core rate keeps coming down, I think the uh, the Fed will be relatively relaxed uh, about that. And then actually, um, although there's no Fed and Bank of England meeting this week, there's a ECB meeting, European Central Bank, uh, and that's a very much a live meeting. Uh, markets kind of 50-50 price for that one. Not quite sure if they'll be on hold or, or or carry on, but if they do do another rate hike, then potentially that could be. Um, the last one in the in the cycle because you're definitely starting to see a few signs in Europe that uh, of some weakness, particularly in Germany, and, and and obviously higher interest rates not helping that. So yeah, it's it's a it's a busy couple of weeks ahead on the on the macro front. Well, thank you both for those great insights, and to all of you for listening. Did you enjoy our discussion on the podcast today? We love to hear from our listeners, so please review the show now wherever you're listening and share it on your socials and tag us at Quilt Achieviate. To make sure you don't miss a future episode, tap the subscribe button. We will be back next Tuesday, but in the meantime, head over to our website, www.quiltachieviate.com, where you can read the accompanying market overview as well as subscribe to our weekly comment newsletter. You can also stay up to date with our thoughts on market news, 
industry insights and our upcoming events and webinars on our website or our social media pages. Finally, if you have any questions you'd like to ask one of our experts for our next podcast, simply ask them via the weekly comments page on our website. We love to hear your questions. And that's it for today. So thank you, Richard and Jamie, for your time and all of you for listening. See you next time.